podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello lovely listeners and welcome to the Anfield Index coverage of the World Cup. I am the unfortunate host who got the bad half of the groups, whereas Harry got the lovely free-free. I got Costa Rica games. Um, but to join me in kind of positively reviewing is uh, Jason Belk, part-time US podcaster. How are you doing, Jason? <laughs> I'm doing excellent, sir. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good, thank you. And joining us too is the writing machine that is Leanne Prescott. How are you doing, Leanne? <laughs> yeah, I'm good, thanks. Good. Um, right, so we might as well crack on. First game, I might as well start with one of the favourites for the tournament, Group E. Um, Switzerland, Brazil. I only watched the first half. Uh, no, the second half, sorry, because I was at football for the first half. Um, but I have I have gone back and watched the highlights, professional host and all that. So, Jason, starting with you, I mean, Brazil coming to this game, probably the favourites to the tournament. I mean, every, there's loads of impressive squads in the tournament, but Brazil seemed to be the one that everyone's picking to win it. 1-1 um, one, one with Switzerland for the opener. What, what, what's your thoughts on the results? Well, I think it's definitely would be disappointing from a Brazil perspective. Um, I think that we saw again, maybe they have a little over-reliance on Neymar. Mm. Um, and of course, us being Liverpool fans, I'm sure we all could agree that Bobby is a little bit better than Gabriel Jesus at this point just, in time. Just a wee bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, I would think disappointment from Brazil, and honestly, if you're Switzerland, I think you're pretty excited about that point at this uh, at this stage. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll we'll come on to the Swiss a bit, but Leon, I mean, from Brazil's perspective, I mean, one one against Switzerland. I know they're probably the second best team in their group, but one one when you're meant to be putting a statement out, putting a a big statement out about how you're going to do in the tournament, a bit disappointing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think that the manner of the performance will be the most disappointing part because Brazil really weren't at the races. First half, they were all right, moving the ball relatively quickly. And obviously there was a, a brilliant solo goal from Coutinho, the type of goal we've seen countless times from him now. And, and that one from a Liverpool perspective was quite hard to take purely because, you know, he's, he's not doing that for us anymore. Um, but yeah, first half, I thought they were all right, growing into the game slowly. Um, I didn't think it would be a fast-paced game because of the Swiss. But second mm. half, they they really weren't at it. Didn't move the ball quickly enough. Poor attacking play, which we've seen from quite a few teams um, already in the tournament. You know, not moving the ball quick enough, not really dragging defenders out of position. So for for a team that have so much attacking prowess as Brazil, and as you say, they're they're one of the favourites, if not the favourites, to come and, and dominate this tournament. It was a really really poor showing. Um, yes, of course, as you said, Switzerland are, are the other relatively strong group, uh, strong team within the group. But Brazil, you know, that's your time to make a statement. Germany have obviously suffered defeat. Spain drawing with Portugal in, a, in an exhilarating game. But this was where Brazil, you know, you're, you're thinking they're going to come out swinging. 
and they really, really didn't. It was a very flat performance, and I'm, I'm sure there will be a lot of changes ahead of their next game. Yeah, well, sticking with you, Leanne, I mean, Jason touched on it a smidge there with with Bobby and Jesus. I think the stats were doing the rounds that Jesus literally was just anonymous throughout the game, and if not, he was probably losing the ball. I mean, we are obviously all Liverpool fans, so we're going to be biased, but even in the, I think it was like 10 minutes Bobby got, but you could just see how how much more well-established he is, shall we say. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and the key to that is someone pointed it out on Twitter. Um, the, the key about Firmino is not just his, his goals contribution. A lot of people were saying that's why Jesus was starting because of his international goal scoring record, particularly in qualifying. And, and, you know, he had been banging them in. So I can kind of understand where the manager was coming from in that sense. But what Firmino does that Jesus wasn't doing and, and we saw within that 10 minute cameo that was so bright was that his movement off the ball is actually what helps the likes of Coutinho and Neymar get space and, and really be able to run at defenders. And um, I thought Neymar was very, very poor, purely because he didn't have the time and the space to really attack the defence. And that was only mm. something we saw when Firmino came on. Um, so, you know, as I said, I expect changes to be made going into their next game. And, and the manager's really got to look at that because Jesus wasn't doing enough to, to allow his teammates that, that time and space. And, but for a brilliant, you know, solo goal from Coutinho, Brazil could have actually lost that game because there was no real spark. Yeah, Jason, coming to you, I mean, I think they started, uh, it, I think it was a 4 3 3 they started with, and we saw Coutinho play in midfield, which he obviously did towards the end of his Liverpool tenure. And as, as Leanne said, he scored an absolute worldie of a goal, but. And, is, is is he now stepping up for Brazil on the stage on, on the on the international stage? I mean, when he was with us, he, there was times when he was getting criticised and stuff like that. But scoring an important goal in a World Cup opener for them, it it, mu- it must only put them up in their in their rest in the Brazil fans' estimations because <laughs> we, we we may hate him a little bit, but I'm, I imagine Brazil <laughs> fans like him. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I shed a little tear when that goal went in because I don't get to watch that in, in a red shirt anymore <laughs> for sure. But, uh, you know, I think if they, if the Brazil fans don't rate him at this point, uh, they're just missing out. Uh, he is, uh, unfortunately, uh, one of the best players, uh, in the world, you know, at this point in his career. Yeah. That's why Barcelona spent whatever, 142 million. On him, uh, he he is an absolute uh, dynamic player. Uh, every side in the world could use him. He's 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 there. I mean, he is outstanding, and, and I do miss watching him weekly, of course. But uh, if you know, I, I wonder if there are um, just because like Firmino kind of suffered from this as well of leaving Brazil early mm. uh, to go to Europe. And that's maybe why uh, Coutinho isn't rated as highly as, as some other uh, Brazil players uh, or Brazilian-born players. Because as a matter of fact, the same about Firmino as well, because he went. To, I think he went to Germany when he was quite young. It, it's funny because when we when Liverpool bought Firmino, uh, we actually had a, a Brazilian family that lived down the street from us here, mm. and. Like I went down there to talk to the dad about it, and he's like, "I don't even really know who that is because they watch Brazilian mm. football." So, uh, and of course, he had been in Germany for so long. So, I think there's some of that um, a bias of if, since they didn't grow up and come up playing for uh, the teams in Brazil, 
they just kind of don't know who they are, uh, which is kind of interesting, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if it's a, if it's a South American thing or just a Brazilian thing. It does seem to be where you make your reputation is so important. I mean, I think Paulinho kind of still gets in the Brazilian team. I know he's improved since he was at Spurs and stuff like that, but he must have another sentiment over the Paulinho, but he seemed to have made his reputation in Brazil and stuck in it. Um, but Leanne, coming to you, obviously there's two teams in the match in Switzerland. Let's not do them a disservice. They played well. Um, keeping Brazil out the team. I know Neymar was unfit and Jesus had a bit of a mare and stuff like that, but the Swiss defensively seemed to be very impressive. I mean, we were linked with that Akanji who moved to um, Dortmund, but they really did impress defensively. Yeah, they did. You're right. Um, I thought they were very, very well set up, as you'd expect from a from a Swiss team. And as I said earlier, I wasn't expecting it really to be the most free-flowing game purely because of what Switzerland can do defensively. And, and we saw that, you know, why Brazil and other teams will have problems against this Swiss side purely because of how good they are defensively and how, you know, well drilled they are. And of course, you know, to come out one nil behind against Brazil, you're thinking, okay, this is Brazil's time to, to shine. Really Switzerland have to come out and start playing now, but they didn't really get, get that much threat from Brazil thrown at them after that opening goal. And, it was almost like Brazil sat off thinking, OK, we've done our jobs now. And, and that enabled Switzerland to, to come into it more. And a great delivery from Shakiri, Liverpool target. Um, had a pretty poor game, to be yeah. honest. Um, but a very, very good delivery from the corner. And Zuba heads it in. And it's it's one and all and a huge, huge point for Switzerland. So I think they'll be very, very happy with the result. And obviously it, it bodes well for, for them, for the rest of the group, purely because they've got that good defensive uh, backdrop to fall back on, um, but also they have got Shakiri in that side. Even if he's having an off game, to produce the goods, to to give some defenders a, a real chance of heading heading the ball in, as we saw. Yeah, absolutely. And Jason, coming to you, um, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to go deep on this match because the others aren't that great. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, but VERs, I think VERs come. Come down, come out really well in this tournament so far, but this is probably one of the games that got a bit of criticism on the uh, on the Swiss equaliser. But for me, it'd probably still be a bit soft. But VR on the whole, yeah. instead of us talking about each incident and each match and stuff like that, I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make some assumptions here, but because you're American, I imagine you've seen like video technology incorporated in sports a bit more than say me and Leanne who are British. And it is sacrilege to touch the game of football. <laughs> yeah, I, we see it all the time in, in, in hockey, football, American football, and basketball, where uh, referees will go to the screen or kind of what the, you're seeing at the World Cup where there's a, a person in a booth watching the game or a referee in a booth. Um, my only complaint with VAR would be uh, the time it takes, uh, which it seems like the World Cup is functioning a lot better than what we saw uh, like in the League Cup with Liverpool and stuff like that, where it was, you know, eight minutes or whatever um, to make a decision. So from that perspective, I think it's going pretty well. I, I see no reason, um, and maybe this is just because I'm conditioned to it at this point, uh, to not use VAR uh, or some sort of, of video to assist the referees. Because let's be, face it, the game moves so fast now. Yeah. Uh, it, it is impossible to get every decision right 
And I know that uh, one of the Dan's had had a podcast a few months ago about the number of decisions that supposedly referees get right. And that's just fallacy. Um, so anything that can assist, especially on these big penalty decisions or and stuff like that, I think we we need as much assistance as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Leon, I, I may I may come back to the England game with this for you, but um, what what are your thoughts on VR? I mean, I think we saw, especially in the game against West Brom, I think it was in the FA Cup, when Craig Pawson, it, it seemed to add on like an extra half an hour to the entire night. But what are your thoughts on VR? I mean, were you a sceptic before the tournament, and has this changed your mind at all? Yeah, I was very much a sceptic. And, you know, as Jason said there, it's all about the, the time it takes to really make a decision. We we saw in the West Brom game really the chaos it caused because of the, the duration of time for the decisions to be made. Um, what I will say in defence of VAR is that it has been a lot better at the World Cup. It's been a lot faster and a lot slicker. Um, I'm sure we'll come on to the England game and the dubious decisions there. But you know, I think we've seen a lot of good that VAR can do in this World Cup. It's made a number of huge decisions and, you know, game defining decisions in terms of overruling penalties and things like that um, in teams' favours, which is great to see. That's, of course, there's going to be a little bit of a time delay, but that's what you're, you're really waiting for. You know, you want a system that can make those decisions and correct refereeing mistakes. Um, but, Again, it's it's a system that's not, not really getting rid of the, the key questions. It's not getting rid of the debate. In fact, sometimes it's creating more debate. We saw with the France one as well. Mm. A lot of people were talking about, is that a penalty? Is it not a penalty? And, and those type of 50-50s where it's, it's really up for debate, that still remains despite the, the VAR system. So it, it's a tough one, really. I think there's a lot of good that it's doing, uh, particularly in the World Cup, where it seems like it's a lot slicker. But there's been a lot of indications that there's still some way to go in, in terms of getting it to a stage where it can really be utilised in the perfect way. Um, you pointed to England earlier. That was farcical, really. You know, that's probably the clearest penalty we've seen in the World Cup. And it's not been given and, and typical, really, that it came down to England not getting that decision. Um, so, again, there, there's a lot of, of positives, but a lot of things that still need to be ironed out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I think putting it on the stage that is the World Cup, it, it could have either went really badly or really well, and I think it's kind of edging on the really well for me. Um, but we'll we'll move on we'll move on from VAR and we'll move on to the second game of Group E, which is Serbia versus Costa Rica. And Jason, coming to you, I mean Serbia won in a, a, a kind of impressive match. I mean they should have won by more, and there was a couple of missed sitters, but. Serbia, I expected them to beat Costa Rica. I mean, what what did this result say to you? Well, I, and it, as I watched America play Costa Rica several times uh, because mm. we're in the same qualifying group in CONCACAF. Um, so it, they were very Costa Rican, uh, which is uh, very uh, organized, very physical. Um, Typically, when we go to Costa Rica to play qualifying games and stuff, the pitch is in terrible condition. Uh, if that tells you about how they like to play football a lot of times. Central American um, Tony Pulis. <laughs> yes, that's right. So you're, you're high grass and all that kind of stuff. So I, I didn't expect much from them outside of that. I, I think they were playing for a draw for the most part. Um, and Milinkovic Savage is just a phenomenal footballer. That dude is awesome. Um, 
So that was really my big takeaway is having not watched him much for uh, his club side. He was he was impressive for a man that big, especially. Oh, I absolutely. Uh, Leanne coming in, I mean, Milinkovic-Savic was one of the bits I, I had on notes for myself here. Um, obviously, he, he, he's rumoured to be moving on for a huge price tag. I mean, this is 100, 100 on million we're talking about with this talent at Lazio. Th- this is the first time I've seen I mean, have you have you seen much of him or, or did he, is this the first time no, you've that, seen him shine? No, yeah. That was the first time for me that I'd seen him and, you know, it was a 90 minutes where you're thinking, okay, this guy really has got talent. This is what the fuss is, is being made about because he just controlled the whole midfield. Okay. People say, you know, they were against Costa Rica. That's what you expect someone of that caliber to be doing. But he did have a very, very confident display. He's only 23 and he showed a lot of craft and a lot of, um, you know, creativity and guile in that midfield. So I was very, very impressed. I don't think he's going to be joining Liverpool, sadly, but I can see, you know, why there's so much interest in him. Mm, absolutely. I mean, such a young talent. I mean, we, we've mentioned games in the other half of the uh, groups. I mean, Pogba, I know he was involved in a couple ga- a couple, the couple goals, but he didn't have the best performance. Um, just... Young midfielders seem to be struggling in this tournament. I mean, we even seen words. Even saw Tony Cruz struggle, uh, but we'll we'll get to him. Um, so for this young 23-year-old to announce himself on this stage, albeit against Costa Rica, but you can only beat what's in front of you. Um, but another another Premier League player we saw, Championship player who was on loan at Fulham from Newcastle, um, Alexander Mitrovic. Oh dear, <laughs> a bit of a stinker from him, wasn't it, Leon? Yeah, I think it was sort of a, it was a mixed bag in many ways because I was quite impressed with him in in some senses of his game. I thought his strength and his just physicality was sublime. Um, you know, he was really really looking to battle with the defenders and get the better of them, and his hold up play was excellent. But then when it came to finishing, he had two or three really really clear as day chances, and he just completely fluffed his lines. Um, and you know that's why we're saying Serbia really should have won three or four nil because. Mm. He had such good chances. These weren't, you know, half chances. They were clear as day. And some of that quality, you really expect him to be putting them away. Um, but I do think he'll have a good tournament. I think he'll grow into it now and he'll take confidence in the fact that he did bully those defenders. And I'm sure he'll do that with the rest of the group and, and what's to come within this tournament for Serbia, who I unfortunately have in the AI sweepstake. Um, I don't think they'll get that far. But I do think he'll get on the score sheet a couple of times purely because of that physicality and his strength in the box. Um, he does, yeah, he does need to work on that finishing though. Yeah, absolutely. But someone who doesn't need to work on finishing or free kicks, to be more specific, Jason, is Alexander Kolarov, who obviously we know from mostly know from his Man City days and stuff like that. Looking about 50 year old nowadays, um, not being able to get up and down the pitch as much as he did back in his prime, but. Jesus, he can strike a free kick, can't he? He is. As his left foot is quite talented. There's no doubt about it. He is. Um, he does. He looks like he's about as old as me. So thanks for for bringing that up. I do appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, um, but he is still his quality. Uh, I, I know that Serbia really can't ask him to uh, maraud up and down the flank at, at, at all the time. And, and there was, um, you know, we saw this in a couple of games where guys looked really really tired and out of, uh, out of shape almost. And I, I feel like he's falling into that category. Um, but 
you have to have him on the pitch just for those that set piece delivery or the ability to take a shot uh, from a set piece. Um, I think without him, uh, that Serbia team would lack a little bit of a cutting edge in that in that area, for sure. Yeah, we'll we'll move on to the other big hitter we've got in this half of the groups. Um, Germany, Mexico. Jason, sticking to you, I mean, before this game, I mean, how were you feeling about Germany? Were you thinking they'd walk it again like they did four years ago, or were you a bit worried about the age of the squad? So I picked Germany. Uh, everybody that would listen to me, I told them that I thought Germany was going to win it again. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that I have I have a couple of friends that live in Germany, so I, I do have some connections there. Um, and they're excited about it, obviously. So that makes me a little bit of ex- and more excited about Germany. And I just, I love the way that some of the German players play football. Um, I'm a huge fan of Kimmich and Kroos and, and uh, Thomas Muller and uh, Timo Werner. And, and, you know, I, I think though, it seemed like to me in that game, um, Germany rolled out and expected to just walk over Mexico. Mm-hmm. And like it wasn't really even going to be a game. They were kind of on cruise control, stuck in third gear type of thing, and um, flat, very very flat. But yeah, I expected I expected better from Germany for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll, we'll stick with Germany, Jason. Um, obviously, there was much debate before even the World Cup started about Leroy mm-hmm. Sane not mm-hmm. getting not getting picked and stuff like that, but. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I don't think he would have made that much of a difference because they all just no. seem to be off. And yeah. it, Julian Draxler didn't have the best game. I mean, Kimmich seemed to be the only one who had a bit of attack intent. Muller yep. looked like a player who's... He just looked lost compared to the lethal player we've seen in the past. Um, mm-hmm. But what what do you think the problem was there? Do you think it was just an off game or do you think there's a deeper deeper troubles for Germany ahead? Um, I, I think it's deeper troubles, uh, for Germany based on that performance. Um, either they're going to have to make some, some changes to the starting lineup, um, to maybe kickstart their, their tournament. Mm-hmm. Or if it doesn't go well, and at this point I'm kind of worried that it may not go well for them. I still think they'll get out of this group, but, you know, how far do they go? Because anything less than the final is really a disappointment for Germany. So does does Low is Low in trouble if 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 they remain this flat? It is an interesting debate. It just Mexico was probably the second strongest team in their group, so sure. Maybe maybe they can get away with a loss to that. I mean, I, I imagine Germans won't exactly be the most excited by it, but they can probably <laughs> they'll still get out of the group, I imagine. But yeah. um yeah. Leon coming to <clears> group, um Obviously, Mexico played very well, but I think when Germany fails to win, or one of these big boys always fail to win, it's always about the big team not playing well rather than the smaller team um, playing well. But for G- Germany, for you, I mean, is this squad just one tournament too far? I mean, you see Kadira and Cruz lining up in midfield, which is probably the third tournament. I think Gundogan may have started in, in, in one of them, but Kadira seemed like a player that just on the wrong side, wrong side of the fence. Yeah, definitely. I, I completely agree. I thought their midfield was very, very immobile, and and maybe that's you know you've got to strike a balance between experience and a bit of youthful energy. And that midfield didn't really, really have that energy at all. 
and you've got to give credit to Mexico for sort of exploiting that in many ways because their um, their pressing was outrageous. They were very much playing the Liverpool way in terms of pressing very high up the pitch with a lot of energy in that first half, especially. Um, and that's what caused Kadira to come off relatively early. I think it was 60 minutes or something. He came off because it was such a poor performance from him. Um, and then you're looking at the rest of the squad again. The, the defence was was very easily undone. Mm-hmm. Um, the fullbacks pushing way too high up the pitch and with no cover for the centre backs. And you look at that starting eleven and you see a lot of experience. But again, I point to where's the energy coming from? Where's that little bit of spark? And you have to wonder why Leroy Sané is not in that squad. Um, a lot of people will say, okay, Sané could have helped out in terms of an attacking sense, but actually. They failed to win because their fullbacks were bombing on. There wasn't good midfield cover. And so how is he going to help with that? But when they went behind, there was still a lack of creativity, a lack of spark. Julian Brand did, did pretty well coming on, almost scored a fantastic goal. Um, but again, you're looking for that little bit of something. And, and Sané has that. And I'm not sure some of their substitutes do. But, you know, you asked an interesting question about is this sort of the beginning of the end for Germany in many ways and a lot of people have been tipping them to get to the final but for me I don't think that they will I, I think this is sort of the the chance to to see a new team sort of come to the fore um, and, and Germany will slip a bit because it's it's something you see from a lot of club football teams as well um, you know they're in this period where they need a lot of restructuring a lot of new players need to come through the ranks now um, because you're looking at the likes of Cruz Kadira, very, very good players, but they couldn't match the, the intensity of that game. And now other teams have got a real blueprint of how to play. Okay, they're going to get out of that group. It's a pretty easy group to get out of. But when they're going into the quarterfinals, even the semifinals, if they face someone like Brazil and have that intensity again, I, I can see them getting unstuck yet again. So for me, I don't think it's going to be the best tournament for, for German fans. Um, of course, they will improve it, which is probably a blip um, in, in terms of the, the group stages. But I think it's an indication of things needing to change around the, the German squad. Hmm. Jason, coming to you, I mean, what what do you think needs to be changed? I'm not I'm not 100% who's in the squad. I think I know Goretzka's in there. Uh, yeah. I know Royce and, and as, as Leanne said, Brandt came on and did well. I mean, is it is it just the fact you got to take out Kadir, you got to take out Ozil? I mean, I, I'm quite a fan of Ozil, but he's not had the best year, let's be honest. Um, Draxler, unfortunately, in my fantasy team, having a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what what do you think needs to be done for the next fixture? Do you think they've just got to go freshen it up a bit? I know Royce I isn't so. exactly young, but maybe bring Goretzka and um, Brant in. I think Goretzka and Brandt would definitely be the. I'm looking at their their. I looked up their uh, their roster or their squad, and I would definitely go with Goretzka and Brandt. Um, just looking at this, I don't see another. And I hate to keep beating the kind of the dead dead horse on this, but nobody like um, Sane who's going to run in behind a bunch. Um, I guess Warner does a little bit. Brandt maybe can do it, but. Like guys like Ozil and Draxler are kind of uh, samey for me. They kind of want to yeah. do the same things. They want to drop in between lines and play play the pass into the box um, more than run in behind and try to create space and drag defenders out in that manner. And I think they need to either go with one or the other of the Ozil, Draxler, and then maybe Brandt because mm-hmm. I think he's really the only one that has the pace to really disrupt 
um, most defenses, to be honest with you. Do you uh, do you think I, Marco Royce can re? I know he's had injury hit three or four years, but do you, you saw the impact when he came on. He, he made stuff happen. Do you think he can get back to being a key player for Germany in this tournament? You know, I hope so. I a few years ago, or, or actually back when Klopp was at, at Dortmund, Royce was my favorite player in the world. Like I would tune in to watch mm-hmm. Champions League games just to watch him. Um, so I certainly hope so. Uh, the worry with someone like him is, can he do it, you know, every five days or so whenever your games come up in the World Cup? Can he, or is he at this point in his career only an impact sub? Uh, and I think it's probably the latter uh, with the quick turnaround on games and stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly, there's certainly an argument for that. I mean, only the fitness uh, people would know for Germany. But, Leon, I mean, sure. we haven't we haven't really mentioned Mexico too much yet, but let's not do them a disservice. They were bloody brilliant that day. Um, I'm going to pick out Herving Lozano. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I think he plays for yep. PSV. Scored the goal on the day, but it wasn't just the goal. He was just destroying Kimmich defensively. Oh, he, was, he was really using the space that Kimmich left. I mean, Kimmich was probably Germany's best attacker that day, but there was a lot of space for Lozano. But, I mean, his reputation's gone up massively now, hasn't it, Lozano? Yeah, definitely. I thought it was a very, very good performance from him. And as you said there, he was exploiting the space that um, Germany left in behind. So great performance from him and, and someone so young as well to really step up as he did in qualification is one thing. But to do it now on the on the big stage is, is really saying something about what this guy is capable of. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of links over the course of the summer as to if he's going to get a move uh, somewhere a bit better. You know, maybe looking at a Premier League side, maybe it's a bit too soon. Um, but you tend to see these type of links with the World Cup when there's a star player coming to the fore. Um, but yeah, I thought Mexico were were brilliant as a whole, and the key to that their successes was the fact that they were a unit. A lot of people point to the likes of Germany being successful over your your Belgiums, your Spains because of that unit, rather than having a couple of you know sensational players, but they can't really fit into a system together. And actually, it was the opposite here. It was Germany who were the, the people who couldn't fit into a system and Mexico that could. Javier Hernandez was actually the standout for me. Um, I thought Lozano was brilliant and he did give Kimmich a torrid time. But Hernandez, hold up play, phenomenal. He's playing against some really top centre backs and he just kept going. He kept, you know, um, running in behind, running close to the ball, dropping deep, doing a little bit of everything just to help out his team, especially in the last 10, 15 minutes there. So. Hats off to all of them. Great performance. I think that that's a team that you really, really want to see do well as well. It's a bit like Colombia. They're a bit infectious. Mm. They've got that energy about them and their fans. Um, and a really, really great passion, which we saw during the national anthems. Mm. But yeah, b- brilliant performance. Lozano, um, you know, showed his pace, showed his presence in the box. Great finish. Had a couple of other chances as well, but I'm sure he'll be their standout in, in the next few games to come. And it's just a case of, you know, how far can they get? How nice will the draw be to them? Yeah, I was going to actually ask you ask you that, but just just quickly, how how far do you think they go? I mean, it all depends on the draw and stuff like that. But did Mexico show you signs that they not win it? Because that would probably be a bit too fanciful. But, <laughs> um, but do you think they could really surprise a few of the big boys? Yeah, I do. I think they're perfectly set up to to match the big boys as well in terms of having that counter-attacking threat as well as a good defensive unit. 
And then players like Lozano and Hernandez are key to that. They've got a, a relatively good midfield and an experienced midfield. Um, Marquez, I think, came on for what was his fifth World Cup appearance um, in terms yeah. of separate World Cups. So again, phenomenal. That bit of experience is, is crucial for games like this. So I do think they'll, they'll do well. Um, obviously doing well won't lead to them getting to the final or anything. Um, but I, I could see them maybe getting to the quarterfinals. I do think they're a good team, well built team, uh, and they've got a little bit of something about them, you know, that set piece threat as well as being able to counter attack as well as having someone like Lozano and Hernandez. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm sure there'll be plenty more to come from them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jason, coming to you, I mean, just your thoughts on Mexico's performance and how far you think they could get. Well, I, I, I think, uh, first of all, they were excellent. Um, it, it seems like they played in a very, uh, you know, uh, energetic uh, mode and they were, you know, let me see how to put this. Uh, they are excellent at what they do. Um, the the problem for them is if they come up against a team like uh, Spain, um, potentially France, or someone mm-hmm. like that, that can absolutely dictate the the pace of the game to them. Uh, they're a team that I feel like uh, needs to play at a certain pace, and if they're not playing uh, that quick transition counterattacking football, they will struggle. But Lozano is an excellent player. Uh, of course, we know about Chicharito, and, and Ochoa is probably the best World Cup goalie of all time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> little tongue-in-cheek there because he's a pretty mediocre goalkeeper every other day of the week. But it, for some it's every, reason, World, every World Cup, you just think, he could do a job for us, don't you? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, just makes great save after great save, and I don't know if it's because he's always a little bit out of position, so he has to make these phenomenal saves, or if he's just... I don't know, but he plays great for Mexico and pretty poor for everybody else. Um, you know, another thing that, that we're hearing, I'm hearing here anyway, some, some people I know here, uh, that follow soccer and that happen to be Hispanic. Uh, Mexico not only thinks they can do well in this World Cup, but they think they can do well in the next one as well. Uh, they've got uh, quite a few young players that aren't even on the roster right now for the World Cup. Coming up, a couple of them had a choice between the U.S. and uh, Mexico due to being born in the U.S. and having Mexican parents. And a lot of those are choosing Mexico. Uh, Jonathan Gonzalez probably being the, hmm. the biggest one, uh, who's a phenomenal midfielder. Uh, who, but he's only like 19 right now. So hmm. there is some, there's some hope for not just this, this World Cup, but maybe the next one. Uh, and then the one after that for Mexico as well. No, that's quite inter- quite interesting. Obviously, they're well part of the host for the 2026 mm-hmm. one, aren't they? Um, yes, they so, are. So it'll be quite interesting to see how Mexico do not just this one, but the ones in the future. But unfortunately, we're going to have to move to the next game. Um, so, Jason, I'll stick with you. We're going to Sweden versus South Korea, and the only note I've put next to this game is a sleepy emoji <laughs> because it was pretty boring. <laughs> it was pretty bad. That's right. So, uh, I mean, Forsberg's a good player for Sweden. Uh, I was really disappointed in Son for South Korea. He didn't seem to get... I didn't watch the entirety of this game. I watched, like, probably 60 minutes in three different sections. I don't blame you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He didn't seem to get on the ball enough for me. Um, Just a general lack of creativity for both sides. It was really... 
Uh, let's just say the best part was when the ref blew the whistle three times. Yeah, that's about it. That's <laughs> about it. I, I'll, I'll come to you on this one, Leanne. I mean, I think we were the only two that were actually in the WhatsApp group because nobody else could face the match. Um, you brought up an interesting point that um, Zlatan probably should have went, but they obviously didn't take him because he didn't do the qualifying and stuff like that. But Sweden mm. really needed that moment of magic, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, a lot can be said about Ibrahimovic in terms of his attitude and, and just being the most cocky player you will ever see. And he drives me crazy. Uh, believe me, I'm not a big fan, but that game needed a bit of quality. It needed a bit of something about, you know, a, a star player, really. A lot of the games have been poor, but they've got a, a Mane on the pitch, a Salah on the pitch, a Messi on the pitch. You know, someone to, to get excited about. And this one really had no one apart from Son, who, as has been said, was was pretty poor. Um, but Sweden got lucky in the end, got a, a penalty, should have been a penalty. Uh, VAR mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. a good job with that one. Um but it was a game without any real spark, and that's where you're thinking, get the crosses in, get someone like Ibrahimovic on, where you can just have him nodding it towards goal, someone getting on the end of things that he's you know, able to hold up um, and stop South Korea from playing. Um, so yeah, I, I was a bit confused as to why he wasn't in the squad, purely because their other attacking options aren't exactly great. And you've got Larson, who used to play for Sunderland, um, still in the squad, and yet you, you're leaving out Ibrahimovic. So, bit of a strange, strange one for me. I can understand, you know, where the manager's coming from in terms of him not really being involved in qualifying. Um, but that, yeah, from a neutral point of view, that game needed someone like Ibrahimovic just to really set it alight. Um, and you have but, to wonder really what what Sweden are going to do in their their other games to really prove their you know, their quality, because I, I thought it was just a, one of the worst games of the World Cup so far, really had nothing about it. Sweden and South Korea, Korea weren't moving the ball fast enough. Berg had great chances, but again, that's where you want someone like Ibrahimovic, who has that killer instinct. Yeah, were you, were you going to say something there, Jason? Sound like yeah, you're going to jump in. so, yeah, so if, just kind of a question or anything else. So if Ibrahimovic happened to be 25, and had been injured and couldn't participate in the qualifiers, but he was healthy before the beginning of the World Cup, do you think they would have taken him? Yeah, I'd imagine so. Yeah. He, well, he, to be yeah. fair, he was injured for most of the qualifiers, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah he was, uh, I but think so. then I think he also sort yeah. of sidelined himself a little bit. So, yeah, yeah, I can understand the manager's thinking, um, but, but when you're looking at the chances that were produced in the game, Sweden had a number of them, and, and it fell to Berg, who doesn't have the quality of someone sure. like Ibrahimovic, um, and that's where you want that killer instinct. So, you know, that's where the questions really, uh, really come from. To be fair, Henrik Larsson's a pundit on ITV. I mean, I could just get him on. But, yeah, I mean, Sweden got the win, but from a spec- from a neutral point of view, I know we've got a few of the, Swe- the Swedish AI lads, you're just a bit boring for me, so I do hope Germany and Mexico go through. I'm not. I'm not trying to be harsh, but <laughs> it's a bit boring. <laughs> um, but yeah, Sweden got the one-nil win. Um, I, yeah, I don't. I don't think there's any any threat of Sweden getting through. Not based on it, that performance. It just depends if they can keep out the other teams. But anyway, anyway, yeah, we're not doing previews. No. Yeah. 
if Sweden can bore in the way out to the knockout <laughs> stage, it's fair enough. But Jesus, um, we'll move on to Group G. I mean, I think Gags did a pod on the England game, but we'll cover it anyway because <laughs> we haven't got a lot to cover in this pod, so we'll cover it anyway. Um, but we'll start with the Belgium v Panama game. Um, Jason, coming to you. Belgium have got this tag of having a golden generation. I think they had one. Mm-hmm. It might have been in the eighties, if I remember correctly. They had the, mm-hmm. had one there, and they've got this bottle of tag. Did, did this game show you anything to dispel that? Uh, you know, in a way, yes, but not really, because they were playing Panama, who, let's be honest, this is their first World Cup, I believe, ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. One of their center backs looks like a tank. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and Belgium have some exceptional players. Um, I don't think they were great overall, but they had a couple of gentlemen, De Bruyne, um, Lukaku, uh, who just really stepped up in some big moments and, and made some incredible, that pass by De Bruyne to Lukaku for that goal was absolutely stunning. Merton's goal was stunning. Yeah, um, so it's one of those things like they didn't play particularly well, but they, they definitely were the better team and, and, and certainly got the three points deservedly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Leanne, coming to you, it wasn't a great game, but let, let's just stick with the Dream Mertens goal. It, it was a pretty boring game, but that moment of magic kind of lit up for Belgium a bit, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. It was a, a great goal. We've seen some brilliant hits um, in the last few days in the World Cup, particularly free kicks, but that was one you know, right up there. Great technique from Mertens, and it set Belgium on their way. Um, I I don't think it was a vintage performance by them. And again, you're looking at a team with a lot of attacking talent and a lot of experience, really. And yet they didn't really click as a unit. And I think that's been a, a common case for Belgium over the last couple of years. Um, so for me, it was kind of a disappointing performance. OK, they won 3-0, but really it was it was a 1-0 for a very, very long time. And then a, a, a quick cameo double from um, Lukaku. But yeah, I think... You've also got to remember this is Panama they were playing, who've never been to a World Cup before. And, and for me, it kind of was reminiscent of Russia v. Saudi Arabia, because a lot mm. of people will be saying things like, Russia won 5-0, they were so good, people didn't expect them to get out of this group, they've laid down a marker. But Saudi Arabia were awful in that game, and, and Panama weren't great in this one, as we expect. No attacking threat, really, and poor defending, um, which was crucial to Lukaku getting his two goals so great finishing from Mertens great finishing from Lukaku and, and a good performance from him overall uh, bereft of much service in the end but still gets two goals which says it all really but I think Belgium are, are one of a number of teams who really need to step it up now in that second game and, and look to play a lot more expansive football because they're far too defensive uh, with the formation they play and then having someone like Witzel it's, it's unnecessary especially when you're against Panama yeah, absolutely. Jason, coming to you, I mean, we saw Belgium play with this weird 3-4-3 three, three. that seems just to not suit them at all. I mean, it's had they obviously won 3-0, but it just didn't seem to get the best out of De Bruyne. I know he had that moment of magic for Lukaku. I think it was his first goal, I can't remember. It, it, yeah. it, seemed, to, it seemed to stifle De Bruyne. It seemed to, well, Carrasco just seemed lost. Seemed yeah. to have an unnecessary centre-back. Lukaku seemed to be isolated. It just seemed all wrong, so... Do you think Roberto Martinez is just a bad fit, them? 
bit bad fit for them. <laughs> yeah, actually, I was, I was thinking that it reminded me of whenever uh, Brendan was our manager and things would go kind of pear-shaped. He would go, three at the back fixes it all, right? <laughs> and it's like Martinez is taking a, a page out of that book. It doesn't. It doesn't suit them at all. It doesn't suit their defenders, um, other than Toby, who's kind of just well great. So it doesn't really matter what formation you play with him. He's going to do his job. Uh, it doesn't suit De Bruyne at all. Um, I think he needs to be in more of a more of a a, a ten type role with them uh, because he and, and Hazard are, are definitely their their most creative players. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they line up, like they're going to get out of the group. Let's just let's yeah, be realistic. Yeah. They're going to get out. But if they get out of the when they get out of the group, if they continue to play with that formation and with this style, they will not make it very far. Um, it, it's just not it's not the right setup for them to to progress in this tournament the way that you know some people think they should. Um, they certainly have enough quality to do some damage, but. Will they? Uh, I don't think so. Not with, not with a Martinez as their manager. Yeah, some good points. I mean, Leon, talking about Panama. I mean, I think one of their stars plays in the MLS and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I mean, we weren't. Nobody was expecting them to win. Probably not going to expect them to pick up a point in the tournament. Mm. But it, it, is, it is nice to see these sort of teams get in the tournament, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I was saying on Twitter um, during the national anthems that the passion that you see there was a fantastic story to see them get to the World Cup and a brilliant goal that actually got them there from their centre-back, I think it was. Um, you know, it's a fairy tale story to see them in the World Cup. They'll be more than happy to just be here, even if they mm-hmm. lose every game, which they'll probably be expecting to. Um, and, and, you know, for a short period of time there, they were actually looked relatively comfortable, such was mm. the, the manner of Belgium's performance and that will bode well for the future I think they've got a relatively good defense there um and at the end of the day they were just outclassed by a a phenomenal goal from Mertens which then set you know set the the tone of the game because Panama couldn't really come out and attack they're not that type of team they don't have that attacking sense about them and then Belgium were always just going to click it up a notch get De Bruyne on the ball in in the more attacking advanced role and and suddenly Lukaku had two. Um, but I thought it was noticeable that that's where the two goals came from when De Bruyne actually was allowed to go further up the pitch yeah. and go into his natural position. That's when Belgium scored the goals. But yeah, as for, as for Panama, unfortunately, it's, it's just going to be one of those tournaments that they probably will lose every game. Um, Tunisia, maybe they, they might get a goalless draw out of that one. Um, but yeah, it doesn't take away from the fairy tale story of them being part of the World Cup and it, it's great to see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just didn't want to leave them out. But, um, Jason, coming to you, I'm going to start with the neutral here. Um, England obviously beat Tunisia 2-1. We we kind of talked about VR. This wasn't doing (laughs) the reputation of it any favours. But uh, what were what were your thoughts on England? I mean, I'd like it's interesting to listen how a neutral saw was last night. So here here's I was. I would love to say that I think England's going to do well in this tournament. Uh, once again, they're going to get out of the group because they're clearly better than Tunisia and Panama. Um, and they have Belgium as their third game. So if I'm not mistaken, so both yeah, of do. them could be, be clear and, and basically play, uh, some substitutes and just try to, 
you know, I know you're playing for seeding and stuff like that, but you're able to rotate a little bit more because at least you know you're in the knockout rounds. Uh, I, I look at I look at the England squad and I think about the way that they could play. Um, you've got quality uh, in several positions. Um, to me, and, and I have a friend who's English who I used to work with here, uh, and and he always and he's a West Ham fan, and he would say, "Why do England not play the way Liverpool play?" Because we have similar players and all these positions, and and it would be it would only make sense. Um, and the reason that that doesn't happen is because I don't think Garrett Southgate is a good enough or brave enough manager to do it. And that's what's going to keep England from from doing as well as they could in this in this tournament. Um, will they win it? No. If they had a great manager, would they win it? Probably not. But I think he's more of a detriment than he is a positive at this point. See, that's quite interesting. I mean, Leon, coming at you, I think Gareth Southgate's kind of very well liked in, in mm. English fan quarters, isn't he? I mean, I'm not exactly the biggest England fan. I don't think any Liverpool <laughs> fan is the biggest England fan, but I've watched all the games. I might as well have watched the England one, but this is this is the team that we kind of have to follow because it's one that's on TV, all the international breaks and stuff like that, isn't it? So, what what do you what do you think of what Jason said there? Do you think Southgate is is a problem, but a decent start for him, if 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 anything? It's funny because I would have agreed a couple of weeks back, you know, heading into the World Cup, I was wondering where's that creative spark in this team. You know, the formations that we've been playing in the friendlies have been very, very defensive and very dependent on just keeping that solid foundation. And, you know, that's all well and good, but you still need to get the ball up to the likes of Harry Kane and Raheem Sterling and, and have that creative spark. And it was, it's very much dependent on Del Ali for that. And, you know, the, the fullbacks to be bombing forward and getting crosses into the box. But, what I loved about this performance was actually that it was the complete opposite of what I was expecting, probably because he, he chucked Lingard in there, who I thought, mm-hmm. OK, he missed a couple of great chances, but I thought he was very, very bright throughout. And that's what I want to see when we're playing Panama again. I want to see that attacking fluidity. First half, fantastic. What a start. Great header from Kane. Uh, yeah, great header from Kane um, in the right place at the right time. That's why he's in the squad. That's what he does. That's what he thrives off. Um, but that fluidity, that movement from midfield was was something I wasn't really expecting to see from this England side. And OK, you know, we're not going to see them play that way probably against the likes of Belgium or going into the, the round of 16 or quarterfinals if we get that far. But it is something that it was nice to see Gareth Southgate go out and attack this first game. Um, in terms of him as a coach, I... I was sceptical. I did think, you know, it was a bit of a strange appointment. He's not very experienced as a manager, but I think he's he's building the squad the right way. He's building it in a good way in terms of not picking the, the biggest names all the time. He's picking people who are good on form, um, you know, who, who can fit together in a system. And it's much more about the system rather than the individuals now. Um, of course, the likes of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain are injured and can't participate. I would have liked to see Adam Lallana in the side because of that creative spark, which will probably be our undoing in the end. Um, but yeah, in terms of the performance overall, first half, brilliant. Not what I was expecting from this England team. Second half, bit more turgid, bit more what I expect from England yeah. um, and what we've gotten used to over the years. But, you know, fantastic result. And OK, got a bit lucky in the end, but nothing 
less than we deserve. And, uh, you know, win that first game. That's all that matters. Get to Panama now. Beat them, hopefully, relatively comfortably. Um, and then, you know, you're looking at topping the group, potentially coming second, facing someone like Colombia or Senegal and, and into the quarters. So I think, you know, what's important also is that Gareth Southgate comes into this tournament without a lot of pressure on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's something that's going to build just as the English media always tends to do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, oh, we don't care. It's it's just going to be nice to see them play together. And then one one thing we do wrong, oh, England are rubbish. That that will be the norm. Um, and I'm sure we'll see that in the coming weeks. But yeah, as I said, he, he's building the system the right way, building the team the right way. Uh, Jordan Henderson, phenomenal from a Liverpool point of view. Um, but yeah, plenty of positives from that first performance and, and hopefully we kick on from there. Yeah, I'll finish up on England with you, Jason. I mean, just touch on Henderson. I think he's the only one who started a game in this half who's who's the usual for us uh, off the top of my head. Um, But, yeah, Henderson, probably one of England's best players, probably between him and Trippier. Um, That seems to be the general consensus. Um, But what, what did you think of him? Well, I, I will admit that I'm a little bit more of a Henderson apologist than some other people mm-hmm. uh, that podcast for AI. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think he's a useful player. I, I thought he had a really good game uh, from what I saw uh, against um, um, against Panama. But they're exactly the kind of team that he is. As a six, he, he's allowed to play the way that suits him. Uh, they weren't out pressing him. He had time. Um, so like when they play Tunisia, it's probably going to be real similar. He should have another good game. Um, against Belgium, it depends on how they set up. It may, it may not be as good for him if he plays. Um, but yeah, I thought he, I thought he played really well, to be honest with you. And, and one of his better, uh, performances that I've seen recently. Yeah, absolutely. He was um, he, he was one of the better players. I mean, the second half, I don't think many England players played well, but in the first mm-hmm. half, you saw you saw Henderson do do what he's capable of. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that 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 diagonal pass of his seems to be that long one, switch. That's right. Yeah, yeah, it's one of his go-to passes, um, and he, he seemed to be doing that very well. And I think I think that's why Trippier played so well as well. He, mm-hmm. he Henderson was getting him him in spots to be dangerous, whereas. Henderson seems not to be the one who gets all the creativity, but he seems to get the ball, or in this setup at least, he seems to be the one who gets people in the dangerous areas. Um, yeah. I do hope Henderson has a good tournament because people split opinion on him. I mean, I'm not a biggest fan of his in the six, but I do like the bloke. He seems he seems like a genuinely nice bloke, um, and 13-14 yeah. is obviously one of many people's favourite um, seasons, apart from the end. Um, yeah. But yeah, I do like Henderson, so hopefully he has a good tournament. So yeah, we'll come to Group H, and I'll, we're, we're nearing the hour mark, so we'll go through this quickly. It wasn't the most eventful, or exciting, there was a bit, there was some events happening, um, but it wasn't the most exciting group. Um, we'll start with the Colombia-Japan game, um, Leanne, coming to you. Colombia, some some people seem to think they were a bit of um, the dark horse with the tournament, but similarly to Uruguay. Uh, but such a bad start for them. I mean, not not just the result, but getting a sending off so early on in the game. It was, it's just a killer, isn't it? I mean, this, this Japan team mm-hmm. isn't exactly full of world-renowned stars, but Colombia did a wasted opportunity for them, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. They were they were poor to to concede that that um, foul so 
early on and Sanchez you know I don't know really what he's thinking there very much reminiscent of Suarez on the line when he decided to handle the ball um mm. but but yeah it was it was poor positioning all round um the Tottenham centre back Sanchez as well could can get some blame for the mm-hmm. the positioning very poor um in the build up very very poor and you know he was a player you were looking at for Colombia thinking he's going to be one of their their key players and he wasn't at the races uh today but overall, I thought Colombia did pretty well to bounce back from that, go a goal down and man down, but they were still the better team in that first half, created a couple of chances. Um, okay, they missed the guile and, you know, creativity of Rodriguez, who, who isn't going to miss a player of that caliber. Um, but brilliant free kick from Quintero. Um, very, very clever in the way he just dinks it underneath the wall and right into the corner, giving the keeper no chance. Um, but but yeah, the second half I think that that ten men um, came back to bite them. Uh, Japan moved the ball a little bit quicker and and it just got away from Colombia at the end there with a great header from Azako, I think it was. Um, but yeah, Colombia I, I do think they'll still obviously get through the group. It, it's probably the most exciting group uh, within the World Cup in terms of being the most competitive. Um, and okay, very very poor start for them. You expect better and and they've got the quality of player to deliver better but hopefully in their next match we see them move the ball a bit quicker and, and really show a bit more about them going forward get Falcao in that game a bit more because he was really living off nothing a bit like Lewandowski in the other game um, mm. but yeah yeah I, I still expect them to go through and I think there's a lot more to come from them I don't think they're going to get to the finals but you know quarterfinals I, I would say is is where they'll get to, and I don't think this result really changes that. I think, if anything, it just confirms that this is the tightest group within the within the, the bunch. Yeah, and these first couple of results haven't done anything to dispel that. I mean, I think Japan were maybe seen as one of the whipping boys for it, if anything. Um, but surprise victory against Colombia. Um, but we are watching the World Cup game. That is uh, Russia versus Egypt, and unfortunately Egypt have just scored an own goal. Um, which is uh, a bit devastating for us, more Salah fans. So hopefully you're ahead of me. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, <laughs> spoiler. Uh, but um, yeah, we'll we'll get back to the pod um, and any live reaction. We'll get it here if Salah does a madness. But um, Jason, coming to you, uh, you, you said I don't. I think you said you haven't watched this group that much today. But we'll talk mm-hmm. about the result with Colombia. Um, Probably seen as one of the favourites um, for the group. Um, mm-hmm. A disappointing result for them, isn't it? Sure. And, and you know, I, I knew... I, I watched a little bit of the, the first part of this game, and um, when James wasn't starting, I knew it would be a little bit tougher for them, but I really thought they would have enough quality to still punish Japan. Um, obviously, that handball was an absolute uh, catastrophe. By, I think his name is is it Sanchez Sanchez he used yeah, to, yeah. Um, and he played for someone in the Villa. Premier League a couple of, Villa that's right someone who used to be in the Premier League <laughs> <laughs> a couple of years ago uh, and, and you know he's a useful player in his way um, he really could have uh, established that base of that midfield and, and been a, a really good player for them so not only going down to ten men that early um, having to play you know basically ninety minutes with ten men. Uh, was tough and, and they took Cordado off really early too. So there was no creativity really, mm, uh, outside strange. of set pieces and stuff. Yeah. I didn't get that one at all. 
Um, I did see him limping at around 10 minutes or so, so I don't know if it was an injury or a knock or just... All right. Um, it was brief. It was, wasn't was long after the, the sending off and stuff, yeah. so it may have just been a, you know, a boo-boo, uh, a dead leg or something. So it, yeah, I don't know if that had factored into why he was taken off or if the Columbia manager was just like, you know what, this game is what it is. We've got to win the next two, so I need to keep him as fresh as possible. Um, uh, and hopefully, James and Cordado can play the next two games. And and I still I, I agree. I think they can get through and, and still be one of the two the two teams that make it out of this group. And you know, like they're not going to win most likely, but um, they are a quality team, and it's going to be exciting to see them play uh, maybe some of the bigger boys um, mm. later on in the tournament. Tournament, so. Yeah, because in 2014 they were so close. I think they got eventually got knocked mm-hmm. out by Brazil, but they, they were probably so. the, they were probably the better team if I remember correctly. But we'll, yeah. we'll move on to Senegal v Poland. Leon, I'll come to you first. Obviously, this is another one where one of our lads is playing in in, in uh, Sadio Mane. Um, such a big result for Senegal, winning two one mm-hmm. in what was a bit of a scrappy game. Poland seemed to be. Not what I expected. I, I think they were they were missing their main centre back in Glick, but you can't explain the the absolute horror show what was their defending today. Um, mm. And I don't think Chesney's going to be replacing Buffon anytime soon. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, Senegal good, Poland bad. <laughs> yeah, so Senegal were very good. Uh, I think a lot of people have tipped them to be the surprise package. Obviously not winners in that respect, but. You know, to offer a bit of excitement uh, in the the further rounds. Um, and I think we saw that today, good bit of movement, good bit of flair about them, and very, very attacking uh, when going forward on the counter. Uh, lots of pace about them as well. Um, of course, they've got Sadio Mane, but they've also got Keita Balde, who we didn't see today, um, and a number of other players who are very, very good on the ball uh, and a good sort of Premier League backdrop in their midfield. So, I did think they were good today. Okay, the game was a bit scrappy, but two good goals, two well-taken goals in the end. Um, Poland, awful. Not sure how on earth they're ranked eighth in the world. It's really beyond me. I think that says a lot about the ranking system than anything. Um, but yeah, no service for Lewandowski, kind of like Lukaku um, in the Belgian game. Um, but Poland, I, I never really tipped them to get out of this group. I think it was always going to be Senegal and Colombia fighting out. And I still stand by that, despite Colombia having a poor result. Um, Poland, for me, they, they don't really have that spark to link up with Lewandowski. Zielinski, um, decent game, you know, out of the Polish lads, which isn't really saying much. Um, but yeah, very, very disappointing from them and, and very promising for Senegal and the first win from a, an African side in this mm. World Cup, which is great to see. Yeah, I think Tunisia were the highest ranked African team, but Senegal certainly have the best team, in, in, in my opinion, anyway. I mean, Koulibaly, Mane, um, Niang, just just a team full of European-level European, European level talent, which is, which is all it speaks volumes, really. But, um, Jason, coming to you, did, did you see much of this game? I did, actually. I, uh, I watched it while I ate lunch today, so I watched about about 60 minutes of it as well. Um, boy, Senegal looked big and powerful and fast and super athletic. And um, the really, I think the, and this is going to sound uh, Liverpool biased, but I think 
Mane is the key to them going as far as they can. Um, because if you notice, he has the ability or the awareness to know when to slow down a, an attack or a counterattack and when to speed it up. And I think that's the big difference between him and the rest of the players on Senegal's uh, roster. Um, he's just got that um, that ability to know when to push and when not to. And I think that that factor alone could really make them dangerous for the next rounds. Uh, like Leanne said, I'm sure he gets out of, they get out of the group. I think they are, uh, definitely the most athletic team. Poland is terrible. Evidently. Um, I was really disappointed. Uh, I actually feel bad for Lewandowski a little bit. <laughs> I was, I was surprised how bad they were. I, I thought they'd yeah. be the favorite for this group, but, Jesus, yeah, not not today's showing. Um, it, it was it was pretty bad, um, but I really I'm excited. I, I'm I'm excited for Mane. I think that they can do really well in this tournament, and um, you know, but I really want him to be back in Liverpool as soon as possible. So if they could just go to the round of 16 and get knocked out, that'd be great too. <laughs> <laughs> Might be by England. That, that could link up there. Um, yeah, but that that's pretty that's pretty much it for all all the games. I mean, Senegal. Very good, uh, very good result mm-hmm. for them. Um, and Henderson, very good result with England. That's pretty much mm-hmm. all the Reds I can think of, unless you're going to count Mignolet, but again, good result. Um, no. and, and Bobby, a bit disappointing. But, um, yeah, that's been all the games. Uh, that, that completes the first round of group matches. So I'll, I'll come we I'll come to you both with this final question. So Jason, starting with you. Firstly, who did you pick before the first round of games to win the tournament? And after mm-hmm. the first round of tournaments, who do you think is favorite now? So I picked Germany uh, before uh, just because of the, I love, I love the way that they played in the last, uh, the last world cup and then the last euros and stuff and the confederations cup. So uh, I was really hopeful that we would see that again. I love that the way they play and, and stuff. Um, I think I'm going to take Spain now, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they tied with Portugal, but if you look at the way that they gave up those three goals, it was a penalty that maybe is a penalty, maybe not, I guess, probably, mm-hmm. but uh, an outstanding free kick um, scored by Ronaldo, one of the best players you know, of a generation. Uh, and a David De Gea freak mistake and not something you see very often. So that game could have easily been 3-1, 3-nothing. Yeah. So I, I think Spain put together the most complete performance and I think that he is, they are the most dangerous, uh, team in the, in the, in, in the tournament now. And Mo almost just scored. So that's why I hesitated. <laughs> Same. I was thinking as well. Uh, but Leanne, coming to you, um, who who did you have before the first round of the games to win, and and the demand been changed by the the first performances? Yeah, well, I mean, I I had already tipped uh, France to have a very very good tournament, get to the final, probably alongside someone like Brazil. Um, on first showing, I'm not really sure France will get there, purely based on their manager, who seems to have a big mm-hmm. bet on that they don't get there. Purely because they <laughs> play Matuidi on the left wing for the next game, apparently. Um, so a couple of mismatches there seems a bit of a, a poor use of their attacking talents. Um, but we'll have to see with that one. I think what I would say is 
so far there's been no real standout performers. Uh, Spain, yeah. Portugal was the the game, and, and Mexico, Germany for the for the underdogs. Um, but no one's really taken it by storm yet or showed that they're the real favourites of this competition. And, you know, in some ways that's a good thing. It means it's an open competition right now. Um, in terms of if my mind's been changed, yeah, I, d- I don't think France will win it. I do think they'll still have a successful tournament. But ultimately, I'm not sure if they've really shown anything so far that's been exceptional or their manager. You know, as I said, strange one on that. We'll have to keep tabs on his uh, formational style. Um, I think Brazil will will still be the favourites. Poor performance, okay, um, but they were against Switzerland, who are the only other real threat within that group. So they will still end up topping it, I, I'd imagine. Um, and if not, they'll probably face someone like England, um, and they'll probably run rings around us, purely <laughs> um, based on you know what they've got going forward. So. As long as Neymar stays fit, which there's been a couple of rumours that he's picked up another injury. Um, but if they mm-hmm. can move the ball quicker, like a lot of the teams need to move that ball quicker, really show some intent going forward. Uh, um, I see no reason why they can't still get themselves to the final. Um, and then, yeah, you know, Spain are the other one you're looking at and thinking, OK, they've, they've shown a little bit of something. I don't think Ronaldo can physically drag Portugal all the way. Um, and... Hopefully, England, I stand by my prediction with them. I think they'll get to the quarters. And then if, if we face someone like Germany, it's, it's probably too much to ask. Unfortunately, I'm going to finish with the sad news that Russia are now 2 0 up. So it looks like Mo Salah's probably <laughs> going to come home. Yeah. Sorry for the spoiler. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, haven't, like... I, haven't seen, I haven't seen the two yet. <laughs> yeah, look, it looks like Mo Salah's coming home early, which Good. is sad for him, but. As Liverpool fans, we're, we're, we're going to have to be happy about that, but it's such yeah. a such a bad way of concern. He was injured for the for the first yeah. game and stuff like that. But sad news. Um, but yeah, we'll finish with plugs. Um, Jason, I did call you a part time podcaster, but have you got anything you want to plug, like your Twitter or anything? I actually I don't even have uh, Twitter on my phone oh, anymore. God. I don't ever log in. Um, I have four kids that keeps me plenty busy. I don't have time. <laughs> for that uh but no just check out ai pro the content is awesome even during this uh slow period where we don't have games uh it's worth the money so help gags out and sign up good stuff good stuff leon you, you must have plugged let's be honest <laughs> <laughs> uh yes i do so i've written an article about uh brewster who's just recently looking to sign his first professional contract with liverpool so just looking at that one uh, what it means to the club and, and obviously the player and you know he's he's going to have some reassurances from Klopp there that he's probably in amongst the first team next season in the pre-season picture especially so yeah looking at that one um, and then I've done an article that's out today I think about six players that face a, a crucial summer so I'm looking at Adam Lallana being a key one especially with the new look midfield coming in now mm-hmm. uh, Nathaniel Klein who's really the understudy to Trent now um, and then you've got Harry Wilson player with a lot of potential that's not really been given many first team chances as yet so looking to see if that changes in pre-season and if not he's he's probably the one that's going to be looking for uh, a move elsewhere um, Joel Matip very disappointing campaign um, from my point of view and I don't think he's really lived up to the hype that, that many people gave him so again crucial one for him really needs to to be in amongst Dejan Lovren this season, but I can't really see that happening. Uh, 
of course, I don't think we'll sell him. But again, he needs to step up his game. And then finally, just looking at a bit of Jordan Henderson, um, probably a, a controversial pick, but I think it's a, it's a crucial one for him because of the new look midfield. Is he going to be starting in that Liverpool team? And if not, is his captaincy under threat from the big Virgil van Dijk? So yeah, that's, that's it for me. And of course, I'm part of the AI writers podcast every, um, it's usually every Thursday, but we're a bit earlier this week. So make sure you're, you're listening to that and, and you can follow me on Twitter at underscore LFC Leanne. Yeah, I produce the writers podcast. It is a, it's a very good listen. I, I couldn't recommend it high, highly enough. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to finish with a negative. It's now 3-0 Russia. Um, so yeah, it is. Yeah, so sorry Mo Salah, but you're coming home to see Jürgen a bit early, unfortunately. But hopefully you get your fitness back. But yeah, we'll finish up there. But thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for joining me, you two. Goodbye, everybody. Network.